Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. We are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello, Rush Nation, and welcome to the Five Yard Dynasty podcast. I am your host, as usual, at the FSA Tweets on Twitter, or Liam. And as usual, Rich, we've got an absolutely jam-packed show. But first, how has your week been, mate? It's good. I'm still bobbing my head along to, to the intro tune. So, uh, yeah, ignore <laughs> me. I find I find it so weird every week because I listen to, whenever I listen to any podcast, I listen on two times speed. So whenever I'm listening to, like, the flagship show or anything like that, I listened to it on two times speed. So the Dan Hansus, or not Dan Hansus, the um, Scott what's Hansen. the guy does Scott Hansen. There we go. Does the his little speech is two times speed. So I'm used to that in my head. So every time he does it, it's slow. He sounds completely drunk. So every <laughs> every week we come into the pod, I'm thinking Scott Hansen sounds drunk. But yeah. Anyway, how are you, Lynn? All good, and we can only thank uh, Rob for that intro because it's absolutely great. So. Today, we have got a jam-packed show. We've got a great guest on, but Rich, we have a giveaway for the FFCC. Um, do you want to tell the listeners how to get involved for those two spots that we've got? Yeah, so very delighted Murph has, has given us the opportunity to give away two spots um, on the podcast. So obviously, fantastic um, charity tournament that we run every year at Five Yard Rush. Uh, a lot of work goes into it. It's, it's best ball so it's a case of you get to draft and then not worry about it um it's knockout two week uh two week knockout so uh for most of you including me after the week two you don't have to worry about it ever again um it's raising money for you know an incredible charity that is in very close to uh to the five yard rush family um hot and uh, yeah, it's, it's very simple. We're not going to make it complex. All you need to do to enter is um, drop a DM to the Five Yard Dynasty um, 
chat, like what Twitter handle? That's the word. Uh, yeah. yeah, just literally just saying FFCC giveaway, and uh, we will throw all those names that do that into a hat, and uh, we will announce the winner. How long have we got this for Liam? Two two weeks time. Two weeks, I believe. Yes. Okay, we'll do it in two weeks. There you go. I've just announced it. Right. I'll uh, I'll hand back to you so you can intro our, our fantastic guest. Yes. Yeah, so, um, speaking of charity tournaments, we've got a creator of his own charity tournament, Polly's Playoffs. And if you don't know who that is, that is Shane Barrett at FF Shane B on Twitter. He's also the host of the Fantasy Nightcap podcast. Shane, let's get you straight in here. How are you doing, buddy? It's been a Man, long time coming this part. It, it has been. You messaged me a while ago. Um, <laughs> I'm good. Thanks for having me on, and thanks for mentioning Polly's playoff too. Uh, yeah, I'm good. It's middle of the day on a Tuesday, and I'm getting to pod and talk about football, so it's a good day. Uh, so I do have a question for you both. With the FFCC, is that a UK-only tournament? No, no. no. Open, open to everyone. Have you not got a spot yet, then, Shane? No, because I thought it. I think I thought it was UK only in previous years. So I'm no, gonna send a DM real quick. Yeah, <laughs> send it. It might look a bit fixed if you win a giveaway. Just so a little bit. On your show, but <laughs> we'll include you nonetheless. It's fair. It's just gonna be a random wheel. But yeah, um, it is um, international. I believe there's 256 spots. Um, that's how wide the tournament is. So it's a very specific number because it's, it's as I said, it's bracket style. So yeah. you are up against somebody else for that two week matchup, and then it's straight knockout from there. So it's it's pretty that's brutal because what's that? I'm trying to do the maths off the top of my head, but 128 people get knocked yeah. out in yeah. at week two that's in the right. season, which is yeah, pr- pretty brutal. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's, all, it's all good fun though. <laughs> right before we dive into the pod uh we've got a couple of com- comments on uh youtube so jean paul doku hello and drop the mic ff is in the house as well so hello guys if you have any comments or if you are listening as a podcast and want to come and give us some comments even if you want to tell richie's being too ageist um or anything along those lines just to rile him up a little bit you can find us on YouTube, Twitch, uh, Twitch, Twitter, anything that you find us live streaming on. Anyway, enough plugs. Let's get into the podcast. That's been five minutes worth of plugs. I think the listeners have had enough of that. So, Shane, we brought you on to talk your pre-camp sleepers. So we've all mm-hmm. got one uh, running back or one wide, wide receiver, and then either a quarterback or a tight end. Um, yeah, on that one out. <laughs> <laughs> you're the guest you're allowed to cheat as much as you like it's fun <laughs> definitely. definitely so Shane let's throw it over to you who's your first sleeper that you're going to talk about yeah so I picked uh, Isaiah Spiller running back for the Los Angeles Chargers according to Fantasy Pros ADP he is going as RB 39 and 111 overall if math serves me right which sometimes it does sometimes it doesn't that's about <laughs> middle of the 10th 11th round ish um and the reason i am taking him there is because the chargers have made it very clear to me over the last three to four years that they want somebody to be the thunder to austin eckler's lightning and they didn't find it in josh kelly they 
kind of found it in Justin Jackson. And these are all out of order. I'm just going off the top of my head, so I apologize. Uh, but And then didn't find it in Larry Roundtree. So they drafted Isaiah Spiller again. Uh, and so to me, what this means is they're going to give Spiller an opportunity to help spell Austin Eckler this year. And for me, pre-NFL draft, Spiller was my RB1. I think the talent is there. Uh, I think he'll fit into this offense well. And if Eckler goes down, I believe he's got a decent shot at really, really good upside. So from a dynasty perspective, too, Eckler's 26. If he's done after his next con or the contract that he's currently on, Spiller can be the guy, I think, in a two or three years' time. So I really like Isaiah Spiller. Speaking about that contract as well, he is cuttable at any point now. So okay. um, they, they get a saving of three mil this year, but they're not going to cut him at this point. Um, and then they get a saving of about six mil okay. in 2023. So That's a it very is a friendly deal still. Even at six million, yeah. I think is, is pretty team friendly. So, Rich, I'm going to throw it over to you because I know that you uh, you love your backup running backs. I look, I, 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 I didn't really like Isaiah Spiller ever. I'll be honest. And from a a rookie draft perspective, I could never get on board with the price that that he was going at. I think. At the point he was going in drafts, I'd, I, there was plenty of other guys in in that range that I'd have rathered. You know, I'd I'd rather Rashad White, I'd rather Tyrion Davis Price, and to be honest, I'd rather Brian Robinson as well. Ew. <laughs> in <laughs> At start- least it's Tyrion Davis Price. In in startups, I can kind of get on board in in existing leagues where you're trading. I, I can kind of get it. I think it's a really interesting point you made about the Austin Eckler contract because I mean it was a bargain when bargain for the Chargers when he signed it and it's you know better <laughs> yeah exactly and Liam's mentioned that you know it is cuttable there is a very small dead cap hit this year and and next year if they move on from him but the thing that I think we need to point out is is still he's dirt cheap he is seven million in cap hit this year and seven point two five million next year. I think he's going to play out those two years. And normally I talk about with veteran running backs, as soon as all the dead, you know, as soon as all the guarantees have gone and we're talking about low dead cap hits, you need to be worried. But I think with Austin Eckler, I think there's no world that they move on from him. So yeah, I, I, I like Isaiah Spiller as a, as a backup running back that's got the potential. You know, I, I was a big Justin Jackson believer. Um, so yeah, perhaps it, it's painful that somebody else is going to get there. I think look, I, I'm fine with Isaiah Spiller as a, a potential breakout because I think he's he's one of these guys that's going to get 1B usage, for mm-hmm. want of a better phrase, where he's going to get carries, he's going to get used. He's yeah. not just a pure handcuff that's relying on an injury. But yeah. if there is an injury to Austin Eckler, then you know, he, he's a potential league winner, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I it, I wasn't a huge fan of him pre-draft. Uh, I had him as my running back three, so not horrendous, but I wasn't as high as you, Shane, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and he dropped with the draft capital a little bit, so uh, Brian Robinson and James Cook both jumped ahead of him. Um, okay. But yeah, I, I love this as a 
as a value rather than necessarily expecting production straight away. I love this as value play because if the charges do go against what Richard said, I don't think they will. But if the charges do, for whatever reason, go against what Richard said and cut Eckler, then he has a great shot at being uh, the next top running back in that offense. And he's tied to a young, um, what looks to be ascending quarterback. Yeah. So, um, so I, yeah, I, I like that. I like it as a proper value play. Um, but Rich, let's move on. Who's your running back uh, sleeper as we stand right now pre-camp? Well, if we're talking value plays, it's harder to go cheaper than essentially free. Um, and, and, and that's Marlon Mack. Uh, so I think he's running back 56 in current ADP. Um, I traded for him last week for a fourth round pick. Um, and yeah, that's that's the kind of guy that I'm dreaming of. In that, I think a lot of people through the draft process got excited about Damian Price and the potential that he was going to be Houston Lee back. You, you heard me say on the pod multiple times that it was a bad prospect just because he got you know bad prospect, bad draft capital, but just because he landed an opportunity doesn't mean he's going to get it. So I think look, there's there's no one else in that backfield. Yes, they brought back Rex Burkhead, but. I don't, I don't think Rex Burkhead's going to be the answer. Whoopie-doo, he's 34. <laughs> so, yeah, look, I, I think that Molomac is a guy that, as I said, he's basically free. This is a guy that produced two, running back two seasons in when he was the bell cow in Indianapolis. And I think that he's got, you know, he, he's not got league-winning upside. But if you're just looking for a guy that could potentially give you 10 points on a week... I think you can go a hell of a lot worse than someone like Marlon Mack. Yeah. I, if, when you're talking about essentially free, Rich, uh, you can't get more free than this. Fourth round pick is insane value for someone that could be jumping up. Um, Shane, let's throw it over to you. What, what are you feeling about this? Because I suppose what people are holding on to at the moment or holding back from is the Achilles injury. But we've seen Dante Foreman last year kind of come back after taking a, an extra year that no one really thought would help. And he came back to a semi-productable and semi-respectable uh, latter part of the season. Yeah. Do you think Marlon Muck kind of on that trajectory for this season? Yeah, I think so. I uh, When I saw this on the show sheet, because uh, I had admittedly forgotten to fill out my part until last night um <laughs> I, when i saw this on the show sheet i was like you son of a nutcracker um because it was a great pick like i love the pick i think marlon mack is is like you said is free and and you getting him for a fourth round pick i think is stealing uh because i do think he's got decent upside just from a volume standpoint um so yeah but liam like you said i think the key piece is does he come back from that achilles injury and I think he's taken enough time at this point to to be able to do that. Um, but we'll see. To be honest, worst worst case scenario, all I need to do is potentially wait for him to get, you know, one, one report of him being the lead back in training camp. Mm-hmm. And I can probably sell him for a profit. And, yeah, you know, I, I think that that's, that's almost it, isn't it? Is that you're... I know his sleeper put out a uh, a thing this morning saying that it was he was gonna had the chance I think to be the lead back so maybe you've you've slightly missed the boat with uh, going and buying him dirt cheap but I still think that there is going to be an easy sell window as we approach the season because I think even yeah. if 
you know, I don't think it will happen. But even if Damian Price was to take over the backfield, I don't think it's happened early in the season. I think that'll be back end of the season that that happens. And if Damian Price does, do you really think that he's going to take all of the snaps and Marlon Mack's just going to be an afterthought? I still think he's going to hang around there. Yeah, and you've got special team superstar Rex Burkhead, haven't you? So, you know, you're never going to get rid of him. Sniping all those touchdowns. Anyway, uh, let's move on to my running back. So even though Rich said you can't get much cheaper than free, I've actually picked someone later in ADP at the moment. <laughs> but I think that is purely because he's not caught other news that dropped a few weeks ago, hasn't caught up with ADP right now. And that is Darrell Williams. Now, last year, he showed that he could be a great running back when given the opportunity. Um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at the Chiefs went down and he picked up a lot of that workload and ended up being quite a couple of um, championship teams flex plays um, just from being a random guy on the bench or even being picked up from the waiver wire. Now, I'm not saying that I fully expect him to be that this season. He needs an injury for that. But I'm talking about a value play here, kind of like Marlon Mack, where at the moment he is um, RB61 in sleeper ADP and RB66 in uh, June DLF ADP. But I don't think that's fully caught up. So I think that him signing with the Arizona Cardinals will kind of make that ADP creep up and will become less free than Marlon Mack soon, um, Rich. So I want to get your opinions on this because um, I believe that at worst he is a 1B in that offense. He is what everyone thought Keontae Ingram would be, who is the rookie that the um, Cardinals took. I believe it was in the sixth or seventh round. So um, I think at worst he's going to be a 1B in a good offense, or he's going to have a Connor injury and become the lead back and kind of do a, a similar role to what he did last year when Clyde edwards Hilaire went down. Um, Shane, do you want to take take it away with Darrell Williams there? Yeah, as a Clyde edwards Hilaire truther, I'm just glad that he's out of Kansas City uh, because it never made sense to me why Kansas City used the draft capital that they did on Clyde edwards Hilaire, but then never gave him the full workload. Uh, but that's enough about Clyde. When it comes to <laughs> Daryl, I, I love everything that you said. And it's interesting, though, that on DLF, he's uh, cheaper than Marlon Mack. On Fantasy Pros, Marlon Mack is RB60, going at around 178 overall. And Williams is at RB54, going at 175 overall. There you go. So, so that that's just a point of making sure you're checking your um, your preferred uh systems adp because you see the difference there yeah and with their like i feel like you're probably just splitting hairs a bit <laughs> uh because it is that so late. but i i still think both are great options and I, like you said if james connor does go down we've seen daryl williams step into a full-time workload in a good offense and have decent fantasy production so What's to say he can't do that in Arizona? Nothing in my mind. I, I'd feel confident with him. Um, I I don't know if I'm as confident with you, Liam, where I think he's going to necessarily be 1B. If the Cardinals are smart, that's what they'll do to keep James Conner healthy. But I don't know if that's how they'll do it initially. 
I suppose that is a little bit of a hopeful statement from me, but um, I think he's proven enough that when he gets the touches, he can be um, a solid one B option. Rich, yeah. what what do you feel about that? Do you? I know that this is your area, your your running backs that basically no one wants, and you are snapping them up. But what, what do you think about Darrell Williams? Yeah, it's you know rinse and repeat everything we've said about Marlon Mack and everything we said about Isaiah Spiller. This is a guy that is going to get some usage. I think he complements James Conner quite well. I think, you know, I, I don't expect the Cardinals to give James Conner everything. I, th- I think there is going to be some sort of complement to it. I think he'll probably get more work than he did last year. But I don't think, you know, you're expecting Darrell Williams to be Chase Edmonds. I think Darrell Williams will get some you know, passing usage. And I think, as we've said, he's a guy that is probably a fringe flex play, you know, in deeper leagues, but is one injury away from being a, a solid RB2 on a week-to-week basis. And, you know, you, you you know Liam and the listeners know how I like to fill out my bench spots. And it's basically take as many flyers on these sort of guys as possible because I can guarantee one thing, and it's between now and August, there's going to be at least one, if not two or three, starting running backs that are going to go down injured and probably miss the year. So why not grab as many of these guys now as you can when they're completely free? And, um, you know, worst case scenario, you've got a guy that can, you know, you can play a few weeks and best case scenario, you sell him on for a profit and and go from there. So let's move on. Enough running back talk now because Rich has had his time in the in the show light. Um, so Shane, your wide receiver pick, uh, you've got two in the show sheet. So which one are you going for? Or are you going to cheat and talk about both? I am probably going to cheat and talk about both. Uh, <laughs> That's fine. You're the guest. You get to do it. So the two that, oh, there's one of them. The two I have are Romeo Dubes and uh, Kyle Phillips. Did I put that in there right? Yep. Uh, Kyle Phillips. So Dubes, I have found on Fantasy Pros, is going at uh, wide receiver 119, 299th overall, according to Fantasy Pros. Uh, That is, that's free. That's free. So both of these guys are guys I love taking in the late rounds of my rookie drafts. And I'm trying to find Kyle Phillips on here now too. So give me a second. But the the whole reason I picked these guys is one, the Packers actually decided to take a, a wide receiver. They actually drafted two. And uh, they drafted three. But they drafted there three. Was one in the seventh round. But so that doesn't really matter. Oh, Especially okay. if you're talking to Rich. Rich doesn't care about anything after <laughs> round three for wide receivers. So, well, and what's crazy is it looks like Kyle Phillips isn't even showing up on Fantasy Pros ADP. So he's even more free than dupes. Yeah. I love both of these guys as flyers, especially in rookie drafts or even as, as waiver wire pickups after your rookie draft. And here's why. Dubes is tied to Aaron Rodgers for at least, let's say, two years guaranteed. Liam, you can correct me if I'm wrong here. Signed a four-year contract. Um, Devontae Adams is out of town. Alan Lazard is the one. You got Aaron Jones, who I think is going to get a ton of passing volume. Tanyan's coming back off a severe injury. And then there's no one else, Randall Cobb, but Randall Cobb's old, that's really going to command volume in this Packers wide receiver room. 
from what I've seen so far from like OTAs, Dubes has looked even more polished than Christian Watson. And so if I can take someone who's tied to an elite quarterback that's free with tons of upside because he's performing well already, I'm going to. So there's my case for Dupes. When it comes to Phillips, the Titans wide receiver room is Robert Woods, Traylon Burks, Austin Hooper, and then Kyle Phillips. They don't, and he's a slot guy. They don't have a slot specific player, and he fits into that offense perfectly. Now, yes, I realize it's going to be a run first offense, but I'm also hoping that as the Titans realize, hey, if we want to compete and make it to the Super Bowl, we might have to chuck it around a little bit more, and that will lead to more of a volume in the passing game, which then should lead to more targets for everybody, including Kyle Phillips. Yeah, and I'm going to dive in there, Rich. So. Dudes is Dudes is one of the guys that I've heard a lot about through the OTAs and um, just before OTAs with the uh, voluntary mini camp as well. There's been a lot of talk around him, um, even though I've seen a lot of um, talk around of throwing him the ball more than Rogers. I still like the fact that he's coming out as the guy that is winning more catches or is impressing a lot more. Um, but that is coming from two Packers fans, so I want to get Rich's take on that. <laughs> um, on Phillips, I think he's a guy that is going undrafted in DLF ADP as well, so across the board, he is being forgotten about. Um, to the point of this exercise, they are sleepers. I am taking them as value plays, so if they do do anything, then we can take a, um, a punt and yeah, exactly. What what Shane's trying to prompt me with flip, flip them, <laughs> um, and and just flip that value around so you can try and get something back. Now with Phillips, I think his case has been um, maybe helped a little bit more today with news that Traylon Burks is looking like he's the current wide receiver three on the team, which is surprising. Um, but I think that's a bit of just mini camp noise. I don't think there's anything yeah. there. But I think that's if, equivalent to uh, Jamar Chase's drops last year. Yes, exactly. So if there is a value drop there for Burks, I'm taking that. But I think that's kind of helping Phillips now um, and helping your case a little bit, Shane. But Rich, let's throw it over to you because you are notorious for day three wide receivers don't matter. So let's, let, let you tell us why these guys, you don't like them, basically. So first of all, day three wide receivers don't matter. Because, you know, <laughs> let's let's just get that out of the way. The stat, look, the stat show, I think it's, I've, I've not updated it, but I think we've got five top 24 seasons in the last 13 years from uh, from day three wide receivers. The chances of, of Dubes becoming a top 24 wide receiver is, is basically non-existent. Um, I think that I get the idea of, of, why there's some appeal there in terms of he could potentially be, you know, tied to Aaron Rodgers. Do you know how many receiving yards the wide receiver three on the Green Bay Packers had last year? No, and I don't want to know because... 236. Wide receiver three was awful. <laughs> bit, bit more than that, Shane. So it was MVS. He had 430 total yards. Well, if MVS could catch, he'd probably have more than... He probably would have had more than <laughs> oh. that. Oh, well, that brings us to the next point, but we'll wait. So we'll save that. <laughs> uh, 
I just I just believe that if if you would say to me at price, could I have Christian Watson or Dubes? I'd definitely be taking Dubes because I think the price of Christian Watson is ridiculous. And I get everything you're saying that they're looking potentially similar in camp and, and there's potential that you could take that. But I just don't believe in the player. I don't believe in the talent. I just think that sometimes we overhype the third target in a good offence because I think bad bad players don't put up fantasy stats and I don't believe he's going to be a good player. So I don't, I don't, I don't mean to be that guy, Shane, that brings you on a podcast and then it's disagrees okay. with you. It's more fun when we disagree. And to but to your point, Rich and Liam, you asked me for sleepers. These guys are yeah. are are sleeping on on the bench outside the stadium to try and make the team. Yeah. And on the Carl Phillips point, I really like the player. I I just don't know if he's gonna be able to command a, a true role at the next level. And I think that yeah. he is gonna be one of these gadget players that will show flashes, you know, like an Isaiah McKenzie or mm-hmm. Cedric Wilson or someone like that, that will show flashes and will put up like a 20-point week. You don't like him. It's like calling Cedric Wilson a Did gadget player. Talk trash about Cedric Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot. A lot I've heard of it. Like. Um, but I think that he's the kind of guy that you're going to look at at the end of the season and go, oh, he had he had two like wide receiver one weeks where he put up 20 points and it all yeah. it was great. But then for the, the remaining 15 weeks of the year, oh, like zero points and won't get a touch. And yeah. I just think that maybe I can I can see it in best ball. But for me, I don't think Carl Phillips will ever command a true role at the next level. That's fair. So, Rich, bring in... Uh, bringing you on to the next player, Shane has kindly already hinted at him. So let t- let you take it away, mate. So Shane, so Shane's slagging off my receiver before we've even got. That's where gonna... he came after you about um, both of those there, Shane. What? <laughs> just, that, just that's really... why he came after you to as revenge for MVS London. Yeah, he he knew I was going to hate on the MVS pick. Yeah, so, <laughs> you know me. I'm I'm a big contract guy. I believe in following the money. And look, the Chiefs traded away Tyreek Kill. They've then brought in a whole load of different options into that wide receiver room, and only one of them has actually been paid. You know, MVS is the only guy. He's getting paid ten million a year. Juju's, I think, like three million a year. It's something pathetic. Yeah, really? Yeah. yeah. That's shocking. I think it's a one-year, three million dollar deal. There's the got to be incentives on that, though, right? I, I don't think there's much. I don't think there's much. And I so really believe he, his cap hit is three mil this year, just under three mil. Yes, he's got guaranteed. Down, scroll down a little uh, bit further. Incentives. He, yeah, so he's got two million incentives, but that's not. Huge three, that's still five uh, five mil max. That's not much, okay. but MVS yeah, is in incentives. He's currently on, the sorry. third Chiefs receiver off the board in terms of ADP. He's going behind Juju. He's going behind Sky Moore, and I think he's just being forgotten about. I think that this is a guy that is going to command those high value touches. You know, we talk about high value touches with running backs. I did a big study last week about high value touches for receivers. And I think that, you know, MVS gets those deep targets. He gets those screen targets. He he gets the red zone targets because he is a bigger bodied receiver. 
I think the Chiefs are going to love him and not take him off the field because of his size. The ability, his ability to block in the run game means he's going to get utilised a lot. I think that the Chiefs, you know, nobody wants to hear it because I think we talk about the Chiefs being this high-flying passing attack, but they've got one of the, the best offensive lines in the league in terms of run blocking. They've gone and signed Juju. They've gone and signed MBS, who are two of the best run blocking wide receivers in the league. I think we're going to see an awful lot of Juju and MVS in the slot, Kelsey out wide and run the ball. And to me, that means MVS is going to be on the field. And therefore, when he's on the field, he's going to get those play action deep shots, which are going to be, you know, potential incredible fantasy production. I really think that MVS wide receiver 68, that's that's absolute bargain. And I think that at his current price, he could genuinely be a league winner. Shane, I can see you chomping to try and get in on this. So I'll let you take this away. I'll sit back and I'll let you go, Rich. Okay, I'm just going to do my best MVS impersonation when it comes to catching the ball. Are you ready? Go for it. (laughs) He can't catch. He had one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, throwing him deep balls, and I don't know. I'm going to have to go look that up while we're talking about it. But I don't think he ever surpassed a significant amount of fantasy production in a specific year. Yes, he had big games. So I'm going to counter you there with your uh, best ball comment about Kyle Phillips. I think he'd be a great best ball target. Yeah, he his best year he had 690 yards in uh, 2020 on 63 targets, 33 catches. He's never had more than 38 catches in a season. That's my concern with MVS is I've watched him drop too many passes from Aaron Rodgers. The talent level and arm talent level from Rodgers to Mahomes is there's no difference to me. So the talent to me there doesn't doesn't change anything from like a quarterback standpoint. And so that's my biggest concern is MVS just drops the ball too much, even on those high-value targets. Yes, he's going to get them, but he's got to catch them, and he hasn't proven to me that he can do that consistently enough. And like you said, he was the third target on the Packers. I think he will likely be the third target on the Chiefs because, yes, you follow the money and he's being paid more than Juju, but I'm wondering if part of that was Juju wanting to have a prove-it deal to be able to make more money later on. Uh, but he's still at least going to be behind Kelsey. And then if you throw in the amalgamation of wide receivers that they have, Juju, Sky Moore, um, <laughs> MVS, let's throw Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Ronald Jones in there. There's a lot of options for Mahomes to throw it to. He's lo- he's likely to spread the ball around outside of Kelsey. I'm not sold on MVS personally. And Another point not related to MVS. Can we talk about how Sky Moore is being severely overrated because of this landing spot too? Oh, massively. We're, we're I, both on you. Yeah. I I got really annoyed because I really like Sky Moore as like a second round sleeper going yeah. into the draft. And I was like, I think I'm going to get loads of Sky Moore because I was yeah. much higher than consensus. And then he landed on the Chiefs and it's like, right, I've got no Sky Moore because... You know, as soon as people are wanting to spend a first round pick, going in the the mid to late first round, and that 
I'm not touching him there. If I'm picking 108 to 112, I am trying to trade out of that pick most likely. Okay. Can I can I counter your counter with a couple couple of points if I may, yeah. Shane? So <laughs> third third target on the Chiefs last year. Would we be generous in saying McCall Hardman? Had I'll 80, look it up. had 83 targets last year. Had okay. a 12, 12.3% target share. Do you know how many MVS had on the Packers? I think you said, did you say 68? Uh, he had 63 in 2020. He had 55 last year. Yeah. 14.6 target share. If if we're penciling in an increase in targets, which is what I'm expecting, because I think that Marcus, I think MVS is going to get on the field more than Hardman because I think MVS is a a better blocker. Yeah, that's fair. I think 80 targets is his floor. I think if I'm getting 80 high-value touches, 80 high-value targets, I think he's got the potential to easily out outproduce. Does he catch 40 that. balls, though? Because his catch rate is, like I'm looking at it on Fantasy Pros right now, his catch rate is right around 50%. So is that taking into account the balls that Aaron Rodgers was throwing towards him, but not anywhere near? Because I'm looking on player yeah, profile here, rate. and true catch rate is 84%. There's so, no way. That was last year. But so I think you're granted always, that's not for a career, but you're always I do gonna think have... that uh, as a Packers fan, you have probably seen too many high high valued um, touchdown drives where MVS needs to catch that long ball mm-hmm. for the touchdown for the win or to set us up for a field goal or something along those lines, and we've been heartbroken by him dropping it or something yep. along those lines happening. And yep. I think I'm slightly in the middle of you two and not as high on him as uh, as Rich. Um, I do think that he can be the third target. I just don't think he's going to be as efficient, Rich. Um, <laughs> Rich has got his hand up. But on the same side, I do think that he actually does catch balls when thrown closer to him. He's he's come up in some big situations for the pack. Yeah, I've um, seen those two. I, I will admit that. I've seen those two. Anyway, Can I? I've, I've been trying. My internet is so slow because the the stream is taking up everything. So I've been trying to find this stat for about five minutes. So I'll find it. I need to get it in the pod. So MVS last year per PFF was credited with zero drops. I don't believe you. <laughs> or PFF <laughs> for, for his entire his entire career. He's been credited with 13 drops at a 9% rate, which is most kind of the higher end is tends to be around 10, 11%. So he's he's got a lower drop rate than, you know, stuff. I'm a Deontay Johnson truther. So I'm, I'm sitting here saying that drops are overrated and, you know, I, I, I stand by that. So here's the, I, I will agree with you on that. Drops don't matter if the volume continues. So if if MVS gets 80 targets, catches 45 of them, then I I see where you're coming from, Rich. But if he gets 80 targets and he still maybe catches 38 to 40, it's not worth the gambling of the upside of him for me to to take it. Yeah. Yeah, and that's and that's fair. And as I said, 
the only reason I'm taking him is he is a sleeper that we could see completely blow up in value. You know, if if yeah. the reports through camp start coming out that he's he's the main target and you know he's he's filling into a slightly different but that Tyree Keel role, his value yeah. could absolutely skyrocket. Totally. Right, let's move on. Let's get you guys off MVS. And I know that Shane likes my next pick, so I'm going to enjoy this one, Rich. Um, so my next pick is John Mechie, wide receiver at the Houston Texans. Now, he went in the second round in the NFL draft this year. Um, I really liked him in the tape process. Um, I know that, Rich, you weren't as high um, on him as I was, but he's gone to the Texans now. From what I can tell, people are liking Mills and liking the upside of uh, Davis Mills, the quarterback there. And they obviously think um, Brandon Cooks is going to be a good play there. Now, what I don't understand is how Davis Mills, if he does take that jump and go on the upside play, how is Brandon Cooks going to be the only one that benefits from this? Now, you've got... Nico Collins, who was a guy that I was massively on last season, and I'm not totally over this season. However, John Mechie is my guy this year by the looks of it. I've got him basically in every draft that I can. Um, and then Brevin Jordan, another guy that was on last year until he got t- taken in one the fifth round, I believe it was, and absolutely broke my heart with that draft capital. So... <laughs> um, Apart from those three options, there's nothing else really there. Now, the other thing that I kind of want to bring up here is I don't think Mechie is a this-year play. I think it's more for next off-season because he either does incredibly well this season and Davis Mills takes that step and then that offense takes a step and Mechie is then the, the, the next guy behind Cooks, in my opinion. Or... Davis Mills flops this season, doesn't do as well, and then you have a new quarterback come in next year, and he John Mechie is going to see that increase just from a, a new quarterback coming in. I don't think that he's, his value is going to drop any lower than it currently is. So currently in um, DLF ADP for June, he's going as the wide receiver, wide receiver 62, which... Rich, I believe, is not far in front of MVS. Uh, yeah, so he's three spots ahead of MVS. To me, that is great value for a second-round wide receiver with great opportunity. Shane, I'm going to pass it over to you first because I just want to hear the, um, the the confirmation, basically. Yeah, so wait till you hear where he's going on Fantasy Pros. They have him as wide receiver 90, 237th overall. What? Yeah, I'm just as shocked as you are. But I've been making this point on, on my show and then other shows for, for weeks now. Mechie's a great pick. In rookie drafts, you're getting him mid to late second round, um, maybe third round, depending if you I've get been getting lucky. him early third a lot. And yeah. I've been, I think the highest I took him was mid to early second as well. Yeah. Um, I've, I've seen him go at 112 in a draft. Uh, so that that's high, but I think the upside's there. We've seen, and I, I don't know if you guys can see it. <laughs> Slightly. But I'm an Auburn fan, so I've seen plenty of Alabama over the last 
a decade or more. John Mechie played at Alabama, my the, the rival school. In his sophomore year, he had 55 catches for 916 yards and six touchdowns. In his junior year, he had 96 catches for 1,142 yards and eight touchdowns. The thing that I like about Mechie is I think he's a total package wide receiver. I think he's going to be able to do everything. And, and learning from someone like Brandon Cooks, because I think a lot of people categorize Mechie as almost a burner. And being able f- him being able to learn from Brandon Cooks, who is also a burner, learn the NFL, learn route running, learning how to get open in the NFL from someone like Brandon Cooks, to me just propels Mechie. And then, like you said, Liam, the whole my whole spiel or my whole thing about like why Mechie is a great play to take is it's Brandon Cooks, Nico Collins, and Mechie. Brevin Jordan did seem to have a connection with Mills towards the end of the season, but that's four different people that you can target in an offense that we talked about earlier. Their run game may not be that strong. Offense to Marlon Mack, still think he'll be able to produce from a fantasy perspective. But you've got four good targets with an up-and-coming quarterback that they want to see what he's capable of. For those reasons, I like Mechie, especially at the 90th or even 63rd wide receiver off the board. Yeah. Rich, come on then. Let's have have it. I don't hate Mechie, okay? I... Famous last words. <laughs> I didn't particularly love him through the rookie process. I think I had him as a late second in Superflex leagues, which at that point, you know, I've, I've got a few shares. He was my wide receiver 13, though, in the, the, the rookie draft process. So I didn't Did love him. 13? Yeah. yeah. Rich hated him. Yeah. He said he fan. didn't, but he does. <laughs> I'd take type oh. one thoughts over him. I'll take Wanda Robinson oh, over him. Rich. Bro, hold on. Continue. <laughs> You're set Shane off, find, mate. I'm going to find a picture on the internet. Okay. Um, I, look, he is a meh player, okay? I am I am a big root runner guy. I think he's a terrible root runner. I think he is a really poor root runner. Look at Matt Harmon's reception perception. He was the worst rookie wide receiver in terms of his reception score. Um, he is the worst. The only players worse than him were Kadarius Tony and Amari Rogers in terms of the last two years, how um, Matt Harmon views them in terms of route runners. I think no, that was he's just landed- cut me deep, wasn't it, Rich? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, look, it was my my Amari Rogers shot without having to take it, to be honest. Um, he, I think that we talk about being the number two in Houston as as like a good thing, but I'm not sure it is a good thing. Here's here's one for you. If if we take okay, the wide receivers two to five on the Texans last year, so Nico Collins, Danny Amendola, Chris Conley, and Chris Moore. So between those four players, how many top 36 weeks did they have last year? 
So that's what we. I'm trying to do maths. This is this is really bad. That's like seventy weeks total between the four of them. How many top thirty six receiver weeks did they have? Liam, I'm gonna go four. Yeah, Shane, Shane, Shane nailed it. So Chris Connolly had a wide receiver twenty week, a wide receiver twenty four week, and Nico Collins had one wide receiver thirty three week. Danny Amendola did score 32 fantasy points in week 18, but we don't count that because fantasy doesn't exist in week 18. Oh, so I was right if you counted week 18 then. Well, yeah. If you skewed the numbers. (laughs) But this is what I'm saying. Like, yes, I I think Davis Mills can potentially take a step forward. Yes, I think that Houston offense is probably going to be in a better situation than it was last year. But I still don't know if I want the wide receiver two of that offense. They've just re-signed Cooks. They've just overpaid Cooks, quite frankly, to stay. I think that this offense is probably only going to be able to justify one fancy relevant player. And and I think in terms of the wide receiver core, and I think that's going to be Brandon Cooks. And I think you see it this year again, wide receivers that don't produce in their rookie year. You look at someone like Terrace Marshall. I mean, 12 months ago, how high was the hype on Terrace Marshall? Everybody was all in on Terrace Marshall. And... I, I, I was. Completely... I don't think any of us on this pod was. No, I was. I was <laughs> big, big but you've now seen that again, and I think after a week or after a season of poor performance, I, I don't think people are going to want him. Now, Shane, you've gone and found this picture, so I feel like you need to uh, to share it. This is Wandale Robinson. Standing next to Nick Saban. Do you guys know how tall Nick Saban is? I'm sure you're going to tell us. Five foot six inches. If you look at that picture, Wandale maybe has an inch or two on him. <laughs> and that, my friends, is why I'm out on Wandale Robinson. What, what if I was to say, Shane, that there is no... no. No statistical correlation between receiver height and fancy production. I wouldn't believe you. It would make sense, but I guess my counter to you would be how many fantasy relevant wide receivers have there been that have been five eight or shorter? Um, and my counter to that would be how many NFL wide receivers have there been that have been five eight or shorter? Exactly. But just because the small sample size doesn't mean the chance of success is small. There's a reason for it. I'd, I'd, I'd be willing, <laughs> I mean, we, I've, I've got the research somewhere I could go dig out. I'd be willing <laughs> to that the hit rates at under five foot eight are similar to the hit rates at six foot three, six foot four. Because just because the sample size is smaller doesn't mean that, That's you know, fair. and I reckon I'm trying to think off the top of my head, Percy Harvin was about that size. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure Percy Harvin had a couple uh, of his. Now you're making me double. Oh, this sounds like something you need to discuss with Shane offline. Right? And then we actually. can bring it up at the start of Percy Harvin was 5'11. Percy Harvin was 5'11. Okay. I'd I'd question why that was measured, but yeah, okay. I'll I'll, I'll give you that. Let me let me let me I'll, I'll dig out the stats, Shane, and I'll share okay. it with you at some point. <laughs> And let's let's move the show on, or we could have arguments about short people all day. 
<laughs> well, I'm a short person. That's why I'm arguing. <laughs> I'm I'm six foot three and one eighth. So you know, I've I've got I've I've got to support the little guys at some point. <laughs> You're supporting them by having me on the show. <laughs> right, Shay. Who can we? Who who are we going to be talking about next? Uh, both. Sorry. You so, going both? Should we yeah, start with? Yeah, I'm going to start with quarterback, and then if because I think you guys both put quarterbacks. Oh no, one of you put a quarterback, one of you put tight ends. Here, here, I'll I'll throw you guys an idea. We'll do quarterbacks, and then for and then go tight end. My go to my tight end and throw it to. Sounds sounds yeah. perfect. Yeah, sounds, sounds good. What okay. are you doing every Tuesday at three o'clock Eastern? You can you can host the show with me and Liam. Working typically. <laughs> um, okay, so for my quarterback on this section, I put Matt Corral. And according to Fantasy Pros, he is going as quarterback 41, 274th overall. Now, I'm assuming Superflex would bump that up. Here's the very interesting part. Sam Darnold is only going as quarterback 35 and only 261 overall. And if Matt Rule cares about his job, unless Sam Darnold has somehow, like, taken steroids and I don't know, finished his degree at USC to somehow improve his football playing on the field. Matt Corral probably needs to start sooner than that. And with where you can get him, I think he's got tremendous value because the weapons are there in Carolina. You got DJ Moore. You got Christian McCaffrey and Chuba Hubbard, and now Deontay Foreman. Uh, I like their tight end, Tommy Trimble. Wide receivers, you still got Robbie Anderson, too. Terrence Marshall, if he can <laughs> get comeback, but I don't think any of us, any of us think that's possible. But the, the whole point is I think the offensive talent is there to have a quarterback be successful. They've just had Sam Darnold. And so... I love Corral at as an extreme value because the minute he has a 300-yard passing game and three touchdowns, he's paid off for you. Yeah. Go on, Liam. You go. <laughs> um, yeah, I like it. I, li- I like the idea. Um, I, I can't imagine Darnold being um, fancy relevant for long unfortunately i mean i don't know how rich feels as the jets fan in the room um but yeah <laughs> Look, i i i love i love the pick and we can kind of combine it with mine because my pick was desmond ridder and i think that you know for for both of them they're in the same boat aren't they where i think that realistically the teams have basically paid nothing and and are spending nothing to to acquire them as quarterbacks and both teams are probably going to be in a position where they need to make a decision on these guys. Are they the franchise quarterback or are they going to go and, and dip their toes into what is expected to be a fantastic quarterback class next year? And mm-hmm. I think the worst thing that the Falcons and Panthers can do is go into next year without mm-hmm. an answer on Corral or Ridder. And yeah, I think completely agree. because of that, I think we're going to see both of them sooner rather than later. And I think that as soon as they become the starting quarterback, 
you know, we always say any starting quarterback in Superflex is worth a first. Well, you know, if 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 you can sell Macrell or Desmond Ridder for a first, happy yeah, days. Certainly <laughs> not. <laughs> Definitely. Exactly that. Go on then. Do you want to give us your tight end then, Shane? Yeah, well, I was going to comment back on Ritter. Uh, I loved Ritter pre-draft, and I like the landing spot too. I would almost be okay as a Ritter guy waiting maybe a little bit longer with him to let Mariota help him develop. And I know that's probably like, what the hell are you talking about, Shane? But Mariota, like, he got the short end of the stick, if you ask me. He had five offensive coordinators in, like, his first three or four years and, like, never got to play in the same system twice. With that, I think his career has not been what we expected as the, if I remember correctly, second overall pick. But he's still in the league and has valuable experience that I think he can help Ritter learn the game. And maybe that holds Ritter off of the field a little bit longer so he can learn a little bit longer. But then I I still expect to see him, I would say, eight games at least this year. And to me, that for Ritter should give you a good idea of where you want to go with him, like you were talking about, Rich. Yeah, I think I've got my I've got penciled in week 11 as the last so the latest that Ritter comes in because I think they've they've got Chicago they've got a, a, an easy couple of weeks which would be nice to kind of blood a, a, a rookie quarterback in it's coming off that Thursday night game the week before so you've got kind of the fake bye week where you've got 10 games to prepare for it I think the worst case scenario for Ritter is that he's starting come week 11 yeah I like that uh yeah I'll give you my tight end unless Liam wanted to no, carry on uh my tight end is Hayden Hurst and right? love this pick love it I I wanted to put this one down thank you sorry I, I cheated then uh <laughs> but yeah Hayden Hurst is going as tight end 25 on fantasy pros 186th overall I think if I remember correctly the contract is kind of a sweetheart deal but this offense it's hard to imagine that this offense can improve because it, it's been so good. But the whole, like, I am still of the opinion that the Bengals should have drafted Panay Sewell. I understand that, yes, Jamar Chase is generational and whatnot, but the talent that that draft class had at wide receiver, you could have had Panay Sewell and someone else to give Burrow to throw the ball to and Burrow wouldn't have been on his butt nearly as much. But they didn't do that. However, this offseason, they have invested in their offensive line. And so to me, that means Burrow's going to have a lot more time to throw and fewer sacks, probably fewer throwaways, and that's going to increase the efficiency as well as just the overall ceiling, I guess, of the offense. And now you're adding in a guy who we've seen produce from a fantasy perspective. He got replaced by Kyle Pitts and comes into the starting role as the tight end because he's better than Drew Sample and CJ Uzoma is no longer on the team. Hello, Hayden Hurst for all those tight end targets and being 
the fourth, maybe fifth option, if you consider Mixon fourth, in a high-powered offense. I love Hayden Hurst, especially at cost, because you're paying nothing for him, especially for a tight end. That, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty um, I'm going to jump in there, Rich. Uh, everyone that listens to the show regularly knows my uh, take on tight ends. You either take one early or you don't take one until very late on. The guy that I'm going to speak about after this is kind of where I start to look for tight ends. But Hayden Hurst has been one of the guys that is going undrafted out of 25, 30 round startups that I've been doing. And I'm picking them up for free, thinking like, I thought he was taken halfway through the the draft kind of thing. Um, I think, as you said, he's better than CJ Uzama. And I was big on Uzama last year and the year before, before he got injured. Um, Because even the Bengals have come out and said CJ Uzama was a big part of that offense, even though maybe fantasy production wasn't where you want it for a tight end he was still a massive part of that offense. And even if he disappears, you've got to have a replacement. And I don't think that's going to come in terms of a wide receiver because they've got their three top three wide receivers. They aren't going to give Mixon any more work. I think that Hayden Hurst has a safe area and a safe share of work to go with. Yeah, um, And I do think Hayden Hurst is better. The concern for me is the one-year deal, but that is kind of expected at this range. So... Um, DLF ADP has him at um, tight end 23. That was up from May ADP of him being undrafted in Superflex leagues in that May um, DLF ADP. Um, I think he was going as the 29th or 30th tight end in um, 1QB leagues, but in Superflex it was undrafted because of the extra quarterbacks. But in that range, you aren't looking for someone that is going to jump up for the entire season be tight end one to five you are looking for that week on week option that you can throw in and kind of hope for that 15 to 20 points on a very very good week well honestly too that's where you find guys like dalton schultz and dawson knox from last year Robert guys logan thomas the year before exactly exactly all guys that finished as tight end ones. Yeah. Rich, anything on Hayden Hurst? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and bang the table for him, but I think, yeah, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with the value. I think at this point, you're, you're just taking dart throws, aren't you? And, you know, if, if I'm looking at a dart throw tight end, I'm looking for a guy that's in a good offense that's got high touchdown potential, and, and that's that's what Hurst has, you know. He's the kind of guy that can, you could easily see have a nine ten touchdown season, and if he's putting up nine ten touchdowns, that means he's having nine or ten startable weeks. Quite frankly, yeah, yeah why, why not? Um, I think at the prices you're having to pay, go get him. Why not? Quite frankly, I mean, to be honest, as, as I've said before, there's like eleven tight ends that I I kind of rank, and then everybody else is basically what what the hell tier, and it's. Um, <laughs> That's basically what all these guys fall in. It's like, yeah, one or two of them will become a stud and make all those people saying there's these 20 young breakout tight ends that are going to break out and be studs this year. One or two of them will eventually be good and 
the rest of them will be usable when they score a touchdown and do nothing when they don't. So that brings me on to the next tight end. So um, I've got Evan Engram as my um, my quarterback or tight end pick. So I went tight end, obviously. Now, he has had um, in his career, so in his rookie season, he has shown that upside of uh, tight end five in PPR leagues. But um, at the moment, he's currently going as the tight end 22 in uh, June DLF ADP. Now, to me, that is incredibly good uh, for a guy with that sort of upside. He is on a one-year deal, so I'll leave that to you guys to determine. But this stat really confirmed or, or made me love Engram's draft capital right now and his ADP a lot more. So last year, after the Dan Arnold trade to the Jags went down, so Dan Arnold got traded, uh, from the Panthers to the Jags uh, after week four, so it was start of week five with his first game. Dan Arnold, from then to week 10, which is every game he saw more than five targets in, he ended up being the tight end eight in points per game during that period. Um, now, he did get injured two games later um, and didn't eclipse five targets after that. Um, but... If Engram gets that sort of usage, I can imagine Engram being a lot more productive with that usage than um, Arnold. Now, yes, there's an injury concern, but again, I'm going to bring another point into this of Doug Peterson is the new head coach there, and he is a great head coach of trying to get his tight ends in the game. Now, I'm going to throw it over to you, uh, Shane, because I can see you want to make a point. Go for it, mate. I know we've seen this already today, but uh, this is also my <laughs> Evan Ingram impersonation. <laughs> he can't catch either. He's got stone hands. So looking at Fantasy Pros, in games that he played at least, or seasons he played at least 15 games, he's had a uh, 115 targets, 109 targets, and 73 targets. He hasn't caught more than 65 balls, which 65 is a good number. I'm not not crapping on the 65 catches part or even the target. The target share is awesome. And maybe this is just me being too negative and knowing that like the athletic profile when he was coming out was way up here. But the production has continued to come in lower than what I wanted. Um, or expected for someone who I thought had tremendous potential. Um, but that's really the only point I wanted to make. I actually agree. Like, I think he's a good value for a tight end, especially with the point that you made about Arnold. Uh, and I think I'm hoping that this Jaguars offense looks a lot better for my Trevor Lawrence shares. And I think Ingram will be a key part in that. So just on that point of Ingram not being able to catch his lowest true catch rate, was um, actually his rookie season, which was 73.6. And that's because he had 115 targets thrown yeah. to him. After that, he had a 75% one in, I think it was 2020. And then every other season after that, he's been over 80. So it's not that he's horrendous at catching. I agree, he yeah. drop, does drop balls. I don't know whether Rich is going to take five minutes trying to get the Evan Engram drops up. Oh, um, but... <laughs> But um, 
I don't think he's horrendous at drops. Again, I just think it's that perception of yeah. maybe he drops balls in big situations and that kind of plays into it a little bit. But um, I think with tight ends, I always preach draft some later because one of them is going to end up doing yeah. a lot better than everyone expects. And I think Engram this year is my pick to to really jump up into the top 12 range after being drafted really low um rich i know you've not said much on evan engram and i don't know whether you actually want to say anything on him but i'll give you the opportunity not hugely i mean he's had 29 career drops so 10 percent drop rate so more more drops than mvs just just to bring that back um look i you know, it's just like, yeah, sure, whatever. Um, you know, there is a chance he might break out at the price you're having to pay, I think, in a startup, I think I'm fine with. I think he's one of these guys that I probably wouldn't want to be going to trade for him right now because I think mm. that as much as we're talking about Titan 22 in a startup, I still think that people that have him on their roster tend to be the guys that are the, the Evan Ingram truthers or the Evan Ingram believers and probably want, you know, a late second or something to get him, and there's no way I'm paying that for him. So yeah, f- fine at his startup price. If you can get him dirt cheap in a trade, go for it. But I, I think unfortunately, he's probably one of these guys that you can't go and buy because the guy whose roster he's on is is in love with him. <laughs> anyway, guys, that is the end of the show sheet. So Shane, we have a little thing from you. So we've got a dynasty tip. This is one of the new segments that we're going to try and do every. Um, every week, every time we have a guest, we're going to get them to do a, a dynasty tip. And it's not because we're lazy, but it's because we want their knowledge, not just ours. So, Shane, what is your dynasty tip for us this week? So, I put on the show sheet, get your guys. And to me, what that ultimately means is A, fantasy football should be fun. So it's a lot more fun to play with guys that you cheer for on a daily basis or weekly basis when they're on your fantasy teams too. But the other thing is even if you, it's not someone that you necessarily like to cheer for, but you know, he's good at fantasy and you've liked having him on your fantasy roster, go get him. And that may be a round or two above ADP sometimes. And that's okay. Go get your guys. I like it. I like it. So uh, that is the end of the show. Just a quick reminder, FFCC giveaway. uh, Drop the at 5-yard dynasty page uh, DM, um, something along the lines of FFCC giveaway. Shane, go do that after the show. I already did it. Okay, there we go. So um, make sure to do that. And a quick plug from both me and Rich. Uh, the UK FFC, um, which is not to be confused with the FFCC, um, is a UK fantasy football get-together. It's the UK Fantasy Football Collective. Um, it's going to be the Fancy Football Expo-style event over in the UK. So nice. if you want to get involved in that, uh, tickets are over at underscore UK FFC. And until next week, guys... Enjoy yourselves, stay safe, see you later.
HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 